Travel Stories with your hosts, Trevor Mountcastle and Tom Kim. This week, episode seven, we're talking Las Vegas, and we also have a great guest, Joey Redman. Joey, welcome to the pod. Hello, hello. Welcome, Joey. So some would call this the obligatory Las Vegas episode. We are approaching March Madness. We're approaching other other reasons to be there. We're recording this actually on uh, on the eve of Super Bowl. So plenty of reasons to be in Vegas this time of year. It's also warmer for those of us on the uh, uh, in the northern climates. And TK and, and Joey, you both have uh, uh, much more experience with Vegas than I have. And I dare say it actually holds a place in your hearts. Is that a fair statement? I think it does because just about, I forget how many, was it 2017? So just a few years ago, I met Joey in Vegas, right? Yeah, actually, I met both of you guys that weekend in Vegas. That's right. Yeah. So that was one of the reselling dues that we held. I think it happened to be when uh, ASD, which is a a big kind of wholesale type conference was happening in the city. And we had done kind of a half day due. And I think it was the night before that we actually had met at, was it uh, the Plastic Merchants pre-due party over at the, was it the Venetian or the Palazzo where he had that suite? The Venetian. Yeah. So, Joey, that wasn't your first time to Vegas, though, right? No, I'm probably somewhere in the hundreds, unfortunately, at this point. My one claim to fame, I think, with Vegas is I've now stayed at every hotel on the Strip, including the awful ones like Polo Towers and the Best Western, just to check them off the list. When I was younger, I, I A, lived in Los Angeles, and B, frequented the Las Vegas Strip quite a lot. I'll try as much as I can in this podcast not to be the old man, get off my lawn, uh, <laughs> Vegas guy, because when I started gambling in Las Vegas, there was a thing called 50 cent roulette chips. And if you were, I was just reading on Vital Vegas that they're now getting rid of $1 roulette chips. So you're not even going to be able to make $1 bets on numbers. And that is crazy. Vegas. And man, that's just, Wow. Inflation is real over there in the uh, city of sin. I still remember dollar craps at uh, Slots of Fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I learned how to play craps at Sahara. It was it was dollar, dollar craps, dollar hot dogs, dollar tequila shots. I mean, what more do you need in life? I definitely think Vegas holds a special place in, in a lot of people's hearts just because, you know, there's just so much there. You know, I mean, it's not only is it the gambling capital of the world, but I mean, Pretty much any kind of like restaurant, you know, chain or whatever, they have a location in Vegas. So you can really try pretty much almost, I mean, if it's in the U.S. as a, as a kind of restaurant, they almost have to have a Vegas location. It's kind of like a, a requirement. Yeah. So let's go down that path, right? Let's talk restaurants. What are some of the ones that you've found that you've really enjoyed that make it worth going to Vegas? Well, I mean, I can start and just say that I really like Park MGM. You know, I know that it's, uh, I think it has a lot of eateries for the size of hotel that it is, especially compared to some of the bigger hotels on the strip that may not have as many nice places to, uh, to eat. You know, I know they have that Best Friend restaurant, which is kind of like a fusion Korean type restaurant from celebrity chef, I think, Roy Choi. And then there's Bavette's, which is kind of like a Chicago steakhouse. I went there recently. It was wonderful. They also have a food hall. They have Italy, which has a bunch of different, you know, kind of Italian themed type of uh, places where you can get, you know, focaccia, you can get various, you know, meats, you can get all kinds of similar to what they have. They have other Italy locations like in the rest of the world, you know, like in Chicago and in New York and places like that. There's other interesting places like the Nomad Library. Uh, I, I only actually, having been at Park Gym at least four or five times, it's my first time actually sticking my head into the Nomad Library. It's a beautiful restaurant. I don't know about the food, but it, it's, it seems like a great place to have a drink and, and have a meal. How about you, Joey? Any favorites in uh, in Vegas when it comes to eating? Yeah, I, I think one of the things I really like about Vegas is if you you can really find something for your price range. I, and I, I think you don't necessarily need to eat cheap and poorly, although once again, the get off my lawn self says, you know, <laughs> Vegas has gotten a lot more expensive. You know, I an off, it's on strip, not on casino option is Peppermill. I think that's a great shout out. It's like a, it's a locals place, you know, like non-chain location. It's kind of fun. It's basically like a Las Vegas version of Denny's. It's open really late. It's on the northern side of the strip. 
you're looking at city center, you've got a great cheap option in secret pizza. It's open really late. It's not much of a secret anymore. Unfortunately, it seems like there's been a longer and longer line these days there. I think that's another great option. It's it's in Cosmo, right? In, in, yes, inside. it is. It is in Cosmopolitan. Uh, hopefully, it stays there with the overlords now. You know, taking over <laughs> the Cosmopolitan. And then I wanted to give a shout out also in City Center. I think Lemongrass is a really good Thai cuisine restaurant that's in Aria. It's relatively okay priced. You're getting a little more expensive once you get there. And then I'm being very uh, M Life centric over here, so I do want to give a shout out to. Gordon Ramsay steak, as much as it annoys me that every Harris restaurant has to be, you know, celebrity themed. Gordon Ramsay steak at Paris is a really good higher end option. The beef Wellington is really fantastic there. It's been there a long time. It's not like the sexiest place you can go, but I think it's really good. And rounding that out is Carver steak at Resorts World. It's new. It's really good. You cannot wear sandals there if you're interested in going and, and don't want to wear shoes. No, just random fact that has nothing to do with this podcast. They happen uh, to have a dress code. Who would have known? So you actually did make it there at one point, huh? Yes. I have returned with friends who do not wear sandals to steakhouses, and it was it was quite fantastic. But I think that's a good example. Like, you know, you've got Carter Steak, which is two $300 a plate, and then you've got Secret Pizza that's under $10, Pepper Mill about $10, $20, and... I think there's fantastic food to be found across the spectrum. And I think that's really hard in a lot of places. You know, I think there's a lot of places that have really good high-end food or really good, like, cheap food. And there's not a lot of places where you can get both. So I think it's nice that you can go buy a $200 steak the first night you're in Vegas. You lose all your money the next day and you can go eat pretty good $6 pizza. Yeah, I'd say that's one of the things that makes Vegas special. You know, it's like many other places in the world where you can do that as easily or have those eateries so close in proximity to each other, you know, like you can pretty much walk to them versus, you know, you might have that in, in like a different city, but you know, you're, you're going to be doing, they're going to be on other far different sides, different neighborhoods, you know, some of these are literally sitting right next to each other. Yeah. Vegas definitely, definitely seems to have that something for everybody kind of approach. You know, one that, that you guys haven't mentioned was uh, Din Tai Fung, also in, in that kind of city center, that area, you know, closer to the Bellagio, Aria, Cosmo, and Vidara. I think it's the furthest east Din Tai Fung in the U.S., if I recall correctly, because I don't think we've gotten anything on the east coast. Could be true. Could be true. I, although I, I don't keep that close of tabs on Din Tai Fung. Although, strangely, despite making at least two to three times efforts, uh, making trying to eat there two to three times, I've yet to successfully have a meal there. But it's there. It's 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 there for you for the <laughs> I know, next time. I know. I just had bad luck. Either getting a reservation or, or trying to get everybody coordinated to, to go there. That, unfortunately, is one of those restaurants where I, I feel like I've had better luck finding it and, and eating there at, in the Middle East than I have in, uh, in in Vegas. But it is one of those that, that has been a draw for me to go to Vegas just, just because of the enjoyment of, of Din Tai Fung. So I'm kind of shifting hotel-wise. So you've got, what is it, South Strip is Mandalay, Luxor, Excalibur. Then you get into kind of city center. Would you say MGM is MGM New York? New York are part of that city center all the way up to Bellagio and Caesars. And then what do you call that kind of, you know, area of Caesars or what is I think I Caesars think going is considered to be? center. Okay. So, uh, and then I think you got like the North side, which is like the resorts world and like when is that the North side? I'm trying to remember now. Yeah. That's North. Yeah. So it's like and North closer, now to, closer to Fremont Street and stuff like that. That's, you know, where the Fountain Blue is going to be whenever it opens up. And, you know, we've got Resorts World and and Wynn and Treasure Island. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just still feel like Resorts World is almost in a in a in an area of its own. It's, it just feels very far. Also hard to miss with the with how big that, that, that kind of compound is with the different hotels. You got what Conrad, LXR and is it regular Hilton? Yep, you got you got three different Hilton brands. Okay, so so we've kind of walked through the high point of the um, of the, the the region of the Strip. What what hotels do you guys like? What area of the Strip is uh, is your favorite to actually stay at? Well, I mean, I can speak to the fact that you know, again, I'm I'm pretty M life centric. I think a lot of it has to do with our loyalty to Hyatt, you know, and that we can get state credits and things like that at the various MGM properties, and and even better yet, you know, with the Changes to the the, M, uh, the MGM, 
I was trying to say M Life, but MGM Rewards Program last year, you know, they got rid of uh, resort fees for gold and above, which was a, a big game changer. You know, suddenly mattress running some of these stays, you know, kind of made a little bit of sense. I've been pretty big into M Life as well. I'm probably, I, I don't know, maybe it's a toss up between me and TK from a, from a gambling aspect, but I'm probably one of the larger gamblers in the points and miles space. M Life's always been a little bit more generous. However, I've kind of been with all the new changes in the program, it's been a little less exciting. My loyalty is kind of weaning these days. I actually like Resorts World, which I realize is a very controversial take in in these days. It it is definitely not the traditional what you think of Vegas casino. It really lacks character. I mean, if you're in your room in the Conrad there, you could be at any Conrad, any hotel, anywhere. However, sadly, I think that is really the future of Las Vegas. You know, Hard Rock is taking over the Mirage and they are getting rid of the Volcano. I think the Fountain Blue JW Marriott whole project is looking pretty much like a factory city glass hotel. Like, I think we're really losing a lot of that character, creativity in hotels, which I do really appreciate. The theming, the theming, the de-theming of Vegas continues into the 2020s. Yeah. And it seems like it's just going to expand, right? But I think Resorts World is pretty functional. I like that it's a little away from the strip. There's really good food up there. I had mentioned the pepper mill already. Tacos El Gordo is another good shout that's off property. You've got some good on-property dining, I think, there as well. And before they left the FHR and Hilton Impresario program, there was some really great hacks there with Conrad. Unfortunately, that's kind of gone down. But also, if you're doing anything convention center-wise, Resorts World is walkable. And the Tesla Loop is also going to be open from there very soon as well. So I think if you're like convention heavy trip, I think that is definitely something to consider outside of the M Life Caesars bubble. Yeah, and we've all had stays at, at Resorts World on the Conrad side, and you know I have to agree it's it's solid. You know it's definitely not a bad hotel, and it is very luxurious. But I think, but at the same time, I'd I'd say it wouldn't necessarily exceed the luxury or or be any better than let's say Cosmo or Aria or some of the other hotels. I don't agree. I, I'd be curious to know when the last time you stayed at Aria because I think the rooms have been in poor condition. Control. Yeah. Okay. I think the deferred maintenance and updates of rooms at Aria have been terrible. I mean, like you're getting like tons of chipped furniture, ripped carpet. The hallways aren't being taken care of. I agree. Cosmo is, is definitely up there. And I think Cosmo from a bros weekend or non-convention weekend is probably where I would prefer to be located on the strip. But I'm also kind of worried with that now going into the MGM umbrella, how well that property is also going to, you know, maintain. I think Bellagio has got a really nice higher end option since they remodeled recently. I think the property's in really good shape, but it's it's just a little stuffy for me to want to stay there. So I've kind of been leaning to that. And I, I used to really like Vidara as well, but I, I feel like the same thing. They're just not really upkeeping those properties as well as they should be. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and they're the newer ones, really. I, I mean, they've been there for, what, five, ten years, but but they're still the newer ones on the block compared to, you know, Paris. I can't remember what the Aladdin's called now. Is that Planet Hollywood? Aria opened in 2009. I really date myself that way. Wow. It's been so since it's, 2009. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's only, I think, slightly older than Cosmo, probably. Right. So they're getting a little bit long in the tooth from, uh, you know, like if you're not keeping them like you're definitely starting to see signs of of those things i think by now yeah, i think cosmo's done a really good job of staying i mean i i stayed there around a month or so after opening because i happened to have a convention over there and uh, i stayed there recently quite honestly actually after my stay at the conrad i moved over to the cosmo and yeah i i, w- I would say i tend to like the cosmo stay a little bit better it, it's the location is center more center strip you're closer to a lot of things and there's some interesting things from a food and beverage perspective in, in the place and and one of the things I really love about Cosmo is, you know, doing the uh, video poker at the Chandelier Bar. I don't know if you guys know this, but you just kind of sit there, play video poker. Every once in a while, it'll spit out a drink ticket. And you can actually start collecting those and actually get like top shelf drinks and things like that if you want. So it's a, it's a nice, fun thing to do if you want to, you know, just kind of uh, sit there. Do you need to kind of learn a little bit of the rules of video poker? It's not that hard. You can just get a, like a little strategy card and it's a way to not lose a ton of money and and, and get some free drinks from the uh, the casino that are not the kind of watered down stuff that they bring out with like the cocktail waitresses or whatever. Cool. 
as we're kind of talking that, I, I, I know that I thought Resorts World had a similar kind of experience where you can get better beverages if you do the video poker or video blackjack at the uh, around the bar. Have you have you tried that, Joey? I haven't, but one of our Amazon friends had tipped me off to that. It's basically the same thing. I forget whatever that big center bar is at, like Resorts World, just off of Crockford's. Yeah, on the other side of Crock, like when you exit Crockford's, there's like a high limit area, and then there's like a big kind of like circle bar, for lack of a better description. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told me the same thing. You can play video poker there and do something similar and get drink tickets. I haven't tried that personally. However, the Crockford's lobby, we all drank there. If I remember correctly, and it was it was it's a very nice kind of quiet bar. I think with a, a great it was great experience. We were it was like great experience. People yeah. at the bar, yeah, the drinks were fantastic. The bartender was really knowledgeable. So that's another maybe like place to just grab a couple friends and go get some drinks if you're willing to pay. You know, and often deserted. Guys. At least it was when we were there, right? It was, yeah. yeah. And Resorts World was pretty crowded at the time we were there, but that that Crockford's lobby was very empty compared to everywhere else we drank for sure. Definitely. And, and, and the atmosphere there is nice. It's, it, it's, it definitely feels like that kind of luxurious Vegas kind of vibe. Any other high points we want to hit before we get into tips? I think my last note would be the Waldorf Astoria is also a great hotel we haven't given a mention to. The cash prices are just terrible generally. But if you can find that hotel at a lower cash rate or if all the cash rates are so high that it makes sense to use Hilton points, I think that's a great hotel we didn't talk about. And the interesting thing is it's also in city center. It does not have a casino. You can't smoke in there. So it's a little bit cleaner if you're not into that. But then you literally come out of the lobby. The lobby's upstairs, but you come out of your room, you shoot down to the floor and you're literally like on the Las Vegas strip. There's a CVS right there if you need drinks or anything cheap. And then you're like 30 steps into the Cosmo and probably, I don't know, an eighth or a tenth of a mile. You're right inside Aria. So you're definitely like right in the good thick of things and you know, from a Hilton perspective, if you have like the free night certificates that you are unable to use and you've got a Vegas trip coming up, I don't think it's a terrible option. And if you, like I said, if you can find a good cash rate there, or if, you know, you're staying on like a New Year's or some really high peak time, I think it's definitely worth looking at. Yeah. I mean, just one quick point to make. And I think uh, just a quick hat tip to like Michael Trigger. I think he was saying this in a Facebook post I was reading not too long ago. Vegas is one of those places where luxury is on sale. I think it's not a bad idea to splurge one night or two nights, you know, at one of these places. And quite honestly, for the $100, $200, maybe even $300 you're going to spend for a room rate, you're getting what would be in uh, like a New York or Chicago or in LA, you know, $400, $500, $600 type of, of hotel room. So if you want to have a baller weekend, you know, go ahead, make it happen. It's a place to do it. And you can often do it for less money. And get a better product than you might elsewhere, you know, just because, you know, the quantity of things like big suites and 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 kind of over the top rooms, you know, you're going to have a higher number of those opportunities with the hotels in Vegas. And you're going to get even in some of these other very high, high luxury type markets, right? Because, you know, even with some of these large hotels that, that have lots of ultra premium rooms or whatever, their upgrade pool might not be that big, you know, or, or you, you might not have stuff that, that you have easy access to without spending, you know, outsized money. Well said. Well said. Okay. Let's pivot to the travel hacking aspect of, of, of Las Vegas. We'll start with hotels. Obviously, there are some hotels you can use points at, but uh, I, I, I would offer that most of us are, are, are leveraging that Hyatt globalist status to, in some cases, get cheaper or or free rooms maybe not the greatest but perhaps the, the 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 worst kept secret with respect to Vegas and Hyatt are those Luxor and Excalibur uh room rates and uh and and kind of inflating our uh globalist uh, or or Hyatt nights have you guys both been doing that I personally haven't been doing that I finished out my Hyatt at about 119 nights last year so I wasn't in too much fear of losing my globalist card I will say the big thing, I think, I agree, Vegas is definitely a place you should be leveraging cash. I understand some people don't have cash or are against it. I think one of the biggest factors to consider is if you're in miles and points, you should 100% not be paying resort fees at any property now. They can be waived on the Hyatt side through, now if you have MLife Gold, which can be matched from Hyatt Globalist, that's gone. And also Caesars Diamond Status will also waive those for you and... There's some ways you can look around to match. The simplest way is if you have the Wyndham business card, 
right, which gives you the I'm, I'm not too familiar with the Wyndham program, but you basically get the top Wyndham status, which then you can match directly to Caesars, which I think is good value. You also get anniversary dinner and you'll get no resort fees there as well. So when you talk about going to Vegas, you're trying to save money. You know, resort fees are going to be 30 to $50 a night, depending on what hotel you're at. So, I mean, you're talking three, four nights stay. I mean, right out the gate, knowing some basic travel hacking tips, that's two, three hundred bucks you can stay booking direct. Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I'm definitely making use of MGM credit, uh, night credits uh, to requalify for Globus. I'm typically not doing these kind of phantom mattress runs where I'm not actually there. I, I tend to actually like to actually stay in the room <laughs> when, I, when I book them. And I usually do use cash rates. Again, I think that's where the value is at. I don't think using points for any of these trip hotels typically will make sense unless, you know, it's a weekend and it's crazy expensive for some reason, which is also why I tend to make my my cash days on weekdays when it's a little bit cheaper. Again, that's just normal tip for Vegas in general. You know, if you have the flexibility and, you know, want a little bit of a less crowded environment, Monday through Thursday is, is, is pretty great time to visit Vegas. Only downside is some of the venues tend to be closed. You know, some of the restaurants might be closed on like Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. But, you know, just plan appropriately and and and, and do that. Know what days Din Tai Fung is not open. And uh, the other thing I would point out is, you know, a lot of times we're always looking at kind of the lowest rate. I've had a lot of success in Vegas, specifically at the MGM Resorts, looking at the $30 food and beverage rates that they have at, at MGM, at Luxor and Excalibur. I will book a, an Excalibur stay and not stay there. <laughs> I prefer not to stay at Excalibur. It's not so nice. But, you know, Luxor, actually, I'm, I, I've stayed several times and I've actually been more than happy with uh, the rooms, especially in the either the, some of the remodel pyramid rooms or it's escaping what, what it is. But the other section, the other wing that's available has quite a few more suites and sort of upgraded decor. That's pretty nice, actually, for me. But one of the things I would do is definitely look at the $30 uh, food and beverage rates. You know, they're only about, I took a, did a spot check on, you know, February and March. And, you know, most of the nights I checked, they're only about $16 to $19 more than the the lowest cash rate. So getting that $30, even though there's strings attached, you, know, you, can, you can't use it at every single restaurant that is uh, chargeable to the room. There's, there's a list. So you do have to check that out. And they usually give it to you a check-in. And the other thing is you have to consume that $30 credit per night. You can't just like collect so you have a five-night stay. It's not like you have $150 to spend. You have $30 to spend every night. And if you don't spend it that night, you lose it. You've got to try in order to prevent that breakage. Is Correct. Essentially, is and that's why they're offering it to you it, because they know there's some breakage that's built in. So if you can be good about planning, you know, it's, it's really good. And I think when we talk about some of the My Vegas stuff here in a moment, I think that there's another – a way to kind of leverage these $30 food and beverage credits, you know, I think again, to make, you know, to help maximize and, and, and do a little bit more further hacking. Yeah. I think that's a good option. One thing is definitely look at that list and you're usually not stuck necessarily at the same hotel you're staying at as long as you're. Oh, important, in, important in, point. Yeah. So like if you're staying at the Luxor, you're not having to eat at the Luxor. You're just having to eat at one of these hotels in the, in the MGM chain. So it's not like, don't think, I booked a week stay at the Luxor and now I've got to eat at the Luxor every day. <laughs> for, that that would not be a good thing. Yeah. So so there is some some options across and basically MGM is fifty percent of the strip, basically, if you're not that familiar with your options there. So that is something to note that if you're doing that over a longer stay, don't concern yourself. And I think there's another point to be made with that too, in that there are also, if you're willing to look the percent of room like if you want to book higher rooms once you're gold and whatever regardless of your comp status and things usually you can get premium rooms at a way smaller gap from what it would cost like if you were doing hotels or amex or you know any other system they're going to give you a larger discount on saying like if you want to book a corner room high floor room any of those things so if any of that stuff's like important to you for your trip I think that's something else to just consider booking flat out right and then, you know, looking at and I think some of the hotels too even have a higher F and B credit for for cheaper. Like if you end up at if I remember it's been a while since I've booked at Aria, but it's like they used to have a hundred dollar comp food and comp that I think is like sixty five dollars. So it's there's there's definitely a lot of options out there. So definitely don't just look at the cheapest room and, and book and go. Yeah, I've got two more quick points. Yeah. So the other thing is, you know, obviously there are comp offers as well. And they often do get paired with things like $100 food credit. So if you've got MGM Gold, 
and you do any small amount of gambling, even they'll, they'll probably most likely give you some sort of offer that has some kind of free play, some kind of food and beverage credit. And another quick tip, you know, if you book those, typically uh, those comp rooms and then stick one paid night in there, again, your mileage may vary, but you typically that stay will also count toward those night credits for Hyatt. And the other point is realize that that resort fee waiver is good for up to two rooms. And Hyatt won't really credit two rooms in the same hotel, but if you wanted to book one night at at Luxor, which is right next to Excalibur, and you know have one night in Excalibur and one night in Luxor at the same time, I've had that credit to both. So I, I, as a data point, I've done it several times. I don't again, your mileage may vary, but that's another thing. And, and oftentimes, what I'll do is I'll do the thirty dollars food and beverage credit in both hotels, and so I really have sixty dollars to play with, and that can make a pretty nice steak dinner somewhere at a reasonably nice steakhouse and. And that, that's many times how I've done it. It's a lot of Diet Coke. It is a lot of Diet Coke. So outside of M-Life, and we didn't really talk too much about kind of avenues with, with Caesars Diamond, have you guys tried any angles with Caesars Diamond relative to, you know, do they have that similar kind of food and beverage credit or any of that stuff other than- well, We have the celebration dinner that Joey mentioned earlier, you know, which we have definitely made use of a couple of times. Oh, yeah. 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 But I, I mean, like, you know, when booking rooms, do they do that similar kind of thing or- or is is M Life really the, uh, the 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 much better option to, to to start looking at? Yeah, generally they don't. Their comps and that whole structure on their side is not as favorable. I'd also argue it's much less likely you want to eat over there, unless you're just really into celebrity licensed food all made by Cisco. <laughs> um, that might be a little harsh on them, but I generally I think MGM has the stronger dining side taken care of. I did give a shout to Gordon Ramsay steak and and such, but I will say the Vanderpump bar at Caesars is kind of fun. It's very, very expensive. So just, I will give them a little bit of credit, but it's all like television licensed food. I would say Bacchanal buffet. If you want to do a Las Vegas buffet that is kind of over the top, they're probably one of the few options that are left now. You know, buffets are very much no longer, you know, in style and, you know, like there, there just aren't as many good options as there used to be. And I would say the the kind of the one thing that's left really is Bacchanal. That is a Caesars. It's in Caesars Palace, you know. And so I, I did do that not too long ago for the first and only time that I went. You know, I did that last year. I used my celebration dinner and I actually converted over some Wyndham points uh, to, to Caesars. And uh, that is one way you can use your Wyndham points if you want to. Although I think a lot of people probably rather use them for like Vacasa or something. But and I would say Bacchanal is is an, is incredible. You know, it is it is a lot of food, a lot of premium good food. You know, that is presented in a really nice buffet. You know, again, there's probably one or two other really good buffets in in Vegas, like Wynn Buffet or Wicked Spoon and Cosmo. But I think the argument could be made that at this point, Bacchanal is probably the best one. Yeah, and I think. Two, I don't want to be I, – I think right now we're in a really hard time for Vegas, uh, essentially like if you're trying to travel cheaply and, and hack. Oh, yeah. They've, yeah, they've just been on a real explosion, right? However, I do think one of the interesting things I think as the years go on, we're getting way more operators on the Strip now, right? Resorts World was a new casino operator. Fountain Blue is going to be a new casino operator. There's several other rumors of properties – Mirage has now been sold to Hard Rock, which is not actually who ran the Hard Rock Casino. It's an Indian – I can't remember. It's one of the Indian reservations that's actually running that with Hard Rock licensing versus I who a, I think it's the Seminoles that own that owned the Hard Rock in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, you might be the correct. Other guitar, the other guitar hotel. Yeah, <laughs> and so I do think that we're going to see more – arbitrage opportunities, probably more status matching and some of these things as these new operators start sucking money away from – Caesars and MGM, like they've kind of had such a duopoly on the strip. And so I do think that a lot of the things we're talking about are probably very basic. I think you know some of them, but I think in this next 18 to 48 months, as some of these new operators really get up and going, I do really think that it's going to get a little bit more competitive, either with trying to ramp up cheaper food, better comps, waiving resort fees, waiving parking which parking is actually another really good tip. Like parking is no longer free basically anywhere in Las Vegas, seemingly. And it is kind of a pain. If you do have your M Life gold card carried at all times, that will give you a waiver into all of the lots. However, Resorts World so far is the only property I know that if you are a member, you park for free. 
And then on your app now, you can pull up your player's card and scan in and out of the parking decks. So that is easier. It is a little, like I said, farther north. So that is, you know, a pain to consider, but you pretty much cannot park for free anywhere anymore. So make sure before you get involved into a parking situation that you have all of your cards and and things ready to go, because parking is going to be another, you know, 20 plus dollars on your on your night that you don't need. Is Vegas really a driving destination anymore? I mean, we used to rent cars every time we went to Vegas, but the last three or four times that we've been, we just skipped the rental car entirely. I mean, that rental center has always had uh, just just really long lines for the buses. It's just been a cluster. So, I mean, do you guys still think that that Vegas is a driving uh, type visiting city? I think it just depends. I think one of the hard parts is there's a lot of stuff to do off strip. I think it just depends on what your weekend's going for. And I think you got to consider if you're looking at, I, I would argue the Uber Lyft line can be just as bad or worse than the rental car fiasco. And then you've got, you know, you've got new great properties like Circa, you know, especially for like March Madness people you want to go to. And I mean, you're talking, you know, a round trip Uber from the strip to Circa is probably going to be in the ballpark of 70, 75 bucks. And then you've got area 15 now that's got all that new, you know, cool stuff as well. So it's like, if you're just trying to gamble, stay on the strip and eat, then no, I don't think you need a car. But if your plans are like, hey, we're going to go out to Red Rock or we're going to go to Fremont for a day, we're going to go to Area 15 for a day, we're going to go to Lotus to Cyan or some of these off, you know, strip restaurants that people are into. If you're planning to Uber, you know, I mean, you're going to be 500 plus dollars in Uber where I think a car does make sense. I think it's just personal preference. Like, what are you trying to do? You know, if, if I'm going to Vegas to play blackjack and get hammered, then no, I absolutely don't need a car. But I think Vegas is definitely a multifunctional destination where people can do a lot of different things. So if you do have a car, just be aware you're going to get smoked on parking. But as a travel hacker that's listening to this podcast, you should have status pretty simply, and that will get you free parking everywhere. I think if you're Californian, you're, you're probably driving. Yeah, yeah that too. I, I did used to drive in a lot, which it's a brutal drive on Friday, Sunday. But if you're doing it on yes, the off days, yes. it's not too bad. Hey, there was one other thing. You mentioned the, the Uber Lyft area in the airport is not great. But my recollection, and, and TK, correct me if I'm wrong, back when we were there uh, last February, it's a flat rate for taxis to get to and from the Strip. It is. And I, I think there are some times where, where you see the surge pricing. It might be better to go to the taxi line, you know? Because the taxi line is not going to have search pricing where, you know, Uber Lyft may. And I've had that problem too, where I've seen the Uber costs from Harry Reid down to the strip, you know, could be pretty exorbitant. And, you know, if you're, you just have to look at that, I think, I'm trying to remember what the flat fee is, but it's probably like, what, 20, 28 bucks, 20, you know, it's under 30, I think, to a lot of the strip hotels. It didn't seem egregious. Yeah. But but in in our case, there happened to be like a marathon that that, that shut down. Exactly. So we got a, a great value. Unfortunately, it was an hour and a half drive. It felt like. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I would say if you see your Lyft or your Uber costing more than thirty, take a look at the taxi. It might be an option. I uh, doing a quick Google search. I don't know how out of date this is, but it says that the rates from the airport to the strip are by zone. So mm. you got to figure out what zone your hotel's in. But essentially, like MGM Grand Delano is zone one at nineteen. Aria. Cosmo, the Travel Lodge is zone two at 23. And then basically anything north of Caesar's Palace is 27, all the way to Stratosphere. So I, it's the Strat now, sorry to not be old and call it <laughs> Stratosphere. But yeah, so you're probably right. You know, if you start seeing numbers over 25 bucks, it's definitely something to consider. Also, if there's a large group of you, more than four or five of you, don't be afraid to go haggle one of these limo drivers that are sitting around. Oh, good good tip. Especially good if it's around. really, really busy. We've done that before. You can usually throw some of these limo guys parked around. If you're just going to like the strip somewhere, 100, 120 bucks. But if you, like I said, if you've got five or six of you guys, just all throw in 20 bucks and you can be cruising in 1980s style all the way to your hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get out of the hotel stuff, Amex, uh, fine hotels and resorts, and and that two hundred dollar credit, good value here in Vegas, or, or or not? I think it can be. I mean, just realize some of those FHR credits are for spa credits. So sometimes when you get that hundred dollar, depending on the hotel, you know, I don't forget, I for, you know, and it changes all the time. So by the way, you know, you have to keep looking, but look look for that detail. You know, when you go to the Amex site, you look at Bellagio, look at you know Nomad, 
look at uh, Venetian, look at when, you know, all these FHR participating hotels. I think it's one of the best places to use your $200 credit if you can't figure it out because you can oftentimes find something for less than or around $200 at one of those hotels. Basically, you know, use all your credit and then, you know, get free breakfast, get the $100 property credit and obviously try to find one where it's actual property credit, not just spa credit or something, you know, you're never going to use. Some of us do like the spa. Or if you like the spa, I guess maybe you'd go to the one with the spa credit if you're going to get a massage, but whatever. <laughs> you should definitely look at the spa prices before you think your $100 spa That's credit is going to do anything for you. <laughs> That's a good point. Touche. Touche. The other thing I would point out, and this is what I've done, is realize that FHR is not the only option if you want to get one of those credits or one of those rates that has breakfast for two and late checkout and $100 property credit. Virtuoso is another way to do it. So Virtuoso, for those of you who don't know, is a special kind of association for travel agents where they can pretty much offer kind of the same deal that MX FHR does. But oftentimes, again, there's a slightly different flavor. You know, maybe it's some of the properties where it's a spa credit in Virtuoso might actually be an actual property credit where it's good for food and beverage and other things. So check both out, you know, don't forget about these other things. There was another one back in the day, you know, Chase had their luxury hotel collection, but that I think for the most part is dead now where a lot of those, um, those deals are not as good as they used to be. So that was the third one that I would look at sometimes, but, but I would definitely keep an eye out for MX FHR. And if you're, you know, about to lose your $200 credit or you haven't thought of a place to use it, Vegas is, a, is definitely a good place. Like I said, you know, it's a place where luxury is on sale, so your two hundred dollars goes a lot further than a lot of other cities. Okay, uh, so I think I think we've beaten hotels with a stick. What other Vegas travel hacking type of uh, approaches do you, do you want to share here, TK? I think you you use My Vegas. Yeah, so you know My Vegas is like an online gaming platform. That, you know, it's it's got a lot of like you know slot machine type games on like Facebook games and on various mobile apps. It has a very strong relationship with MGM Resorts, and it's kind of a little bit annoying. I mean, this is for the people who are kind of more on the the couponing side of things because you know it does require a little bit of time and effort to to collect these these points. You don't have to spend any money, really. That's the good news, you know. And actually, a quick hat tip to to Justin Vakula. You know, he has a, a YouTube video out there on how to you know get your My Vegas coins easily and cheaply using things like, you know, Android emulators and things like that, just to kind of like macro out, you know, the kind of clicking that you need to do to, to be able to get these things. But, you know, I, there's, a, there's a couple of easy ways to do this with not spending more than a few minutes a day. And then once you've kind of gotten your stockpile of these My Vegas gold coins, which is basically the currency that you can use to buy comps, comp awards of, of various things. And, and they have a lot of things up there. It's not just MGM. They have, you know, discounts for cruises. They have things for like, you know, Checkers and Sonic, they have things for IHG, things for Hilton and other things as well out there. I, I'm not going to provide all those data points because I haven't done them myself, but there's a number of different good discounts out there and, and some value that can be had. But because of that really tight integration with MGM, and I'm assuming MGM is a, a equity holder in this company that runs uh, My Vegas, they just have tons and tons of, of offers for free play and food and beverage stuff. And it's a really good complement to the, the hacking tips we just gave a moment ago around things like food and beverage credits and things. So if you want to take that $30 food and beverage credit I mentioned earlier, for instance, and and leverage that with some of these food offers that they have on My Vegas, you know, you can really look at some of these like restaurants, like let's say at Luxor, like Public House and Diablos, you know, they have like $20 off of a, a $50 purchase or something like that. Then suddenly, you know, if you can basically have a $50 meal have it for the two of you or three of you or whatever, use that $30 food and beverage credit and, and you've really been able to stack two two things together to make, a, I think, a really good value. But the other thing they have there is they have these uh, free play offers like $100 or $50. These are premium awards. Again, some people forget about these things, but there, there's a lot of strings attached to use these things. and and But they, they leverage, again, very well with some of these multi-night stays that people are doing to mattress run Luxor and Excalibur, people forget that that there are these $100 and you basically could redeem two at a time for like 150 bucks of free play on the slot machines. You know, and that's that's of some value, I think. I think if you even if you just played through it, got 80% of your money back, I mean, that's something. And that could uh, offset some of the costs you're, you're spending on some of these hotel stays at Excalibur and Luxor. And 
And these are, by the way, things you would not be able to use on a complementary stay. So this is if you're using those cash rates like we were mentioning earlier, that either the cheap cash ones or the ones with the food and beverage credit, they also allow you and open up these free play credits on MyVegas. So and double up, get 150 at Luxor, get 150 at Excalibur. You know what? Even get a P2 involved. Add another person, add your P2 to the room, get them to redeem their $150 as well. And so you're now starting to talk about some big free play that could make your, your trip a little bit more fun. How about that? What do you think, Joey? What, are the, what other things have you used to, to supercharge your play? I, I'd like to do some flight love since we've kind of ignored flights. Oh, that's a good so point. So I think two, two things that you might not be considering when you're looking at Las Vegas is Southwest has robust connectivity to Vegas. I'm pretty sure Southwest is the largest airline in and out of Las Vegas. So... You know, some of these temporary companion pass plays, I think, are fantastic if you're trying to get your points down. And if you have a companion pass, you know, you're not really probably going to find better money in and out of Vegas on the cheap side in that case. So that is something to consider, especially if you have a lot of trips and you can swap your companion a couple times a year. So if you're leaving your P2 behind and bringing your broski to Vegas, as long as you don't have a flight booked out in the future with said p2 wifey you can swap and get a friend out to vegas for free for the weekend maybe get some cash from them or just be a good friend on the extreme other side of travel i think jsx has really good connectivity in and out of vegas which is probably something that people are not thinking about necessarily and they mainly mainly southern california texas right so they've got here we go. So from Vegas, you've got Phoenix, Dallas, Denver, San Diego, Orange County, Burbank, Oakland, Reno, and Napa. Okay. Decent connectivity. That is. That yeah, is quite and, a bit. And I've been noticing, I do tend to use JSX a good bit when I when it's convenient for me. They've really been pegging their flights to American for me at about, you know, those like higher peak business time flight rates. I actually just booked Dallas to Orange County and JSX for one ninety nine, which you know when you consider you're eliminating TSA and some of these other things, it's something to consider. It's not necessarily always going to be in the OTAs and things that you see, but if you're looking at cheaper cash flights in any of those areas, I'd at least give JSX a glance. Sometimes the the timing is a little bit poor, but they tend to fly out really late on Sunday. I've noticed, so they're kind of catering to the weekend gambler, weekend golfer guy. So like you can do like a fly in like early Friday morning and they have a flight out at like 9 p.m. on Sunday, you know, versus some of the, you know, carriers that are working on more conventional, you know, schedules and utilization. So I think those are two really good tricks. And there's also some really good frontier connectivity. I, I don't know frontier very well, but, you know, if you can avoid all the bag fees and all those things, I think frontier is a really good option for a lot of city routes as well. So two cheap ones and 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 jets uh, and JSX kind of flying under the radar. I, I I know that as East Coasters, I don't think we've really talked a lot about JSX because they don't really serve serve our our, our area. But I, I have heard great things about them from folks that lived in uh, live in uh, California. I didn't realize they flew as far as uh, as Texas and Denver. They're actually based in Dallas. Oh, well, that, there you go. I mean, along the same lines, I would just mention one other quick thing, you know, for those of us East Coast people, you know, also look at some of your secondary cities, you know, I'll, I'll mention that a couple of times I've flown to Vegas recently, I've taken the extra hour drive to t- go down to Richmond. And the reason I did that is because Richmond has a pretty feisty competitive market for Las Vegas routes. You know, they had a Velo, uh, one of the new low cost startups start there. JetBlue started flying out there. And then, of course, all the majors were doing their price war against those new carriers. So be on the lookout some of your secondary cities for for your Vegas flights because I can tell you you know my, my home airport Dulles you know national they have hella expensive flights to Vegas strangely enough and, and they even have a nonstop from both of them but I think some of the connecting travel you might be able to save a lot of money if you look at some of these secondary cities who knew that Richmond was going to be a battleground airport in uh, the 21st century uh, at, le- at least for that Richmond to Vegas routes, for some reason, yeah, you just had <laughs> all it takes is two startup carriers to to start new routes, and then the majors start uh, start wanting to attack it. So we've talked flights, we've talked hotels, we've talked travel hacking. We we kind of touched a little bit about that story of of, of that the the travel story of how how the three of us met. You want to expound on that uh, before we close it out? That would be fun. I would start out by just saying, you know, you you get to learn a lot about people when you gamble with them. <laughs> 
Talk about burying the lead. Yeah. So, <laughs> so again, we had uh, thrown this uh, this do a meetup specifically for resellers. I think we only had what twenty or twenty five people that came. And uh, Michael Dean, who is the is or was or formerly known as the Plastic Merchant, had actually sponsored the night before just to get everybody together. He got a big suite. I remember a bunch of beer and a sweets bathtub, that sort of thing. A piano. Had a grand piano. In the room. Yeah, yeah. Had, had, had that grand piano. Might have had some other stuff. Uh, was there like a pool table in there too? Oh, that's right. I think there was a pool table, was there? There was. Yeah. So what was your thought, you know, coming into this kind of kind of cold? Because TK and I had already met. You're coming into this kind of different environment, I, I, I would imagine, uh, of, of travel hackers. Or you had already been travel hacking, right? Yeah, I was actually relatively new back then. I think I really got into travel hacking in... 2015, I would say. So I had a little bit under my belt, and then I had started doing reselling originally back then as a form to generate points in 2016. So it was nice. I everyone I knew thought I was crazy, so it was nice to meet some other people at the time that were. You guys are kind of the first other people I know that were doing that. It was a great time. I actually had done quite a bit of business with Plastic Merchant, and unfortunately, I came out on the short end of that stick as as things crumbled. But thankfully, I only lost three hundred dollars. I know there were people that lost. You know, That's probably the, on the low end of, of those yeah, people that lost a lot of money. Uh, and however, I will say, you know, Mike was really nice. The party was fun. I did end up playing craps with him later that night, and he was a he was a aggressive crazy craps player which maybe i should have taken some signs into how he was also running his business but you know hindsight is is an easy thing i I was there too and i what amazed me was number one he was consistently doing his betting strategy in craps was doing don't come okay and and for those of you who don't realize what that is because you know craps is not exactly the most easy game but basically let's just say he was betting against everybody else at the table and wanting everybody else at the table to lose so once again, you you get to learn a, a little bit about people's uh, mentality when when you gamble with them because you know there's only certain kinds of people that would actually do consistent and you know there are people I've seen do these don't come bets but to do it consistently for like an hour that is very unique. It's the only person I think in my life of playing craps that I've seen play with that amount of money too. Well, and he he parlayed it right. So like if the number hit, then he put double. Yes. Oh, Which all of those systems work really great just for anyone out there if you don't run out of money. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, the kind, the, kind of the key point, not running yeah, out the, of money. The, right? the parlay, yes, you will always get your comeuppance, but uh you also cannot run out of money first. So, you know, it, it does sound smart on paper, but you know, in, in reality it can be a very uh you know, evil mystery. And, and it goes up exponentially. <laughs> So, you, <laughs> so whenever you look at an exponential curve, I mean, you know, when you do look at those like Martingale type systems, especially things like roulette or whatever, where you're just doubling every time you lose or whatever, you're going to run out of money exponentially quick, <laughs> which he did. I believe he made several trips to the ATM machine. Yes, that, that, I do recall that as well. But I, I also remember, you know, meeting Joey for the first time. First of all, Joey was a Delta flyer at the time. He probably mm-hmm. doesn't want people to know this. But and so was I. So, you know, of course, we immediately bonded by being one of the few like Delta Sky Pesos people in the room. But uh, that, that's one of the things that I remember. And, and I just remember, hey, this guy's kind of cool. I'm going to hang out with him. We're going to have a good time. I would like to say I do still love Delta. It's just, you know, being um, hub captive in Dallas makes things a little complicated. But I think Delta <laughs> is the most disrespected airline in the travel and points game. And, you know, I'm fine. With I, I would that. say Sky Miles is the most disrespected program. And I, w- I don't know. There's, there's, there's a many lot people. of I don't respect know many for people Delta will. on the operational side. You, you think there's people who are disrespecting the operation side, too? I think people lump it all in together. How OK. I, right. I don't think people make that differentiate. I mean, there there are large travel hackers that are like, I would never fly Delta. And I'm like, well, they're missing. Crazy? Yeah, I, I agree. Hey, I want to get where I'm going. So I'll, uh, if it wasn't for the executive platinum status, I probably would have gone Delta instead of American in a, in a lot of cases because they are much more reliable. I will say having a family has made me like Delta less. Interestingly hmm. enough, Interesting. I, I think Delta is a little anti-family. A good example is like I have platinum status still on Delta and I can only book one passenger in a Comfort Plus. 
So oh, for, for me, my daughter and my wife to travel, we have to split PRNs and then book in and I have to either pay for my wife's seat or, or figure something out with that. And then I've now had this issue twice where they've changed the flight and then moved us like separate on the plane because we're not all on a PRN. Once we got moved on to different flights. So it's just kind of a pain because I'm like, well, I don't want to pay for three seats. They don't even have the IT to give you the two seats free and pay for one. It's just you don't get your free upgrades, which is frustrating. And lounge wise now, with all these lounge changes, I can't bring them into the lounge, which with my city AA executive card, I can bring both of them in the lounge. And I travel often with my mother-in-law, wife, and daughter, and I can put all of us in main cabin extra at booking. So as much as, you know, the likelihood that I'm going to be delayed, canceled, and spit on by AA staff as I fly, <laughs> there, there have been some benefits to uh, uh, American these days over, over Delta, I will say. And now you start getting benefits on JetBlue and Alaska as well. So, you know, and, and I think in both of those cases also, I think some of those perks uh, extend. And that Northeastern Alliance has actually really helped for, for, for obviously the Northeasterners. I mean, I think uh, between uh, American and JetBlue, Boston is now getting lay flats. I think I think Robert was talking about that on the Milanomics podcast a couple of weeks ago. So small things that that, that American is really kind of building a, a good kind of cadre for for the American flyer. For and when I say the American flyer, I mean the American or or other partner flyer flying domestically in the U.S. The the advantage customer. <laughs> there, you, there you go. An advantage to the advantage customer. There you go. <laughs> Okay. Any 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 uh, final uh, Vegas thoughts before we close it out? I mean, just it's still it's still my one of my favorite places to go. I mean, it's it, it's one of the few places that I try to visit at least annually. You know, that used to be Hawaii, but you know, it seems like it's Vegas now. It helps that I know some people and some friends out there as well. You know, so I have I have some some other people. And the interesting thing for me personally is, you know, it used to be I would always think a three day stay would be more than enough for Vegas, and uh, you know, because it was just you know it's overload too much and whatever, but. I find now I'm, I'm doing more, you know, week long or longer type trips to Vegas, and those have also been great. Vegas is technically the ninth island, so <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That's probably why I've moved my Hawaii trips to Vegas. That's probably what happened. Half the flight. Okay, well, uh, Joey, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can our listeners find you? I'm pretty much everywhere on social at Joey Redman. Easy, nice and easy. Great. Well, that's the show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed listening. 